Road of the Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us on The Way Home. Today's topic is a tough one, but nevertheless, one that is so very important. And if it helps to save one person on the planet, that is our express goal today. And Leslie Wyrick, who is a suicide prevention trainer and public speaker, she goes all over the country and reaches people all over the world on this topic because it is universal Sadly, and yet she is hoping that with tools and resources and knowledge and all the things that we can be forearmed with, that indeed it can make a difference in this very tough topic. So when we come back, Leslie Wyrick, it's all being brought to you by Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. And we are so grateful to them as well for underwriting the program of these wonderful capsules that have the nothing but food in them. That is produce that has been pulverized and put into capsule form so that you may get 10 servings per day when you take three and three capsules of both the fruits and the vegetables. It's a remarkable product. It is one that I've been taking for 12 years. It is a game changer for everyone I know that is on it and means so much for giving you the nutritional impact you need to leave a he- lead a healthier and more energized Life. So Balance of Nature is easy to find. It's at balanceofnature.com, balanceofnature.com. And make sure you put my name in the promo code Laura. And that way you will get 35% off your first preferred order and free shipping as well. You can also call them at this very easy to remember number 800 2468 751. 800 2468 751 for Balance of Nature. And tell the nice person on the phone there that you want to put Laura into the promo code. When we come back, Leslie Wyrick, don't go away. You're listening to The Way Home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. As I mentioned in the opening, uh, this is a topic that is tough and um, my program seeks to not only uplift and encourage people, but also to give really important, important advice and help um, on a, on a very, uh, uh, on a variety of topics. And uh, this one is extremely important. It happens to be September is World Suicide and Prevention Month. And coming up, uh, actually, this entire week is the World Suicide and Prevention Week, all culminating on Saturday the 10th, which is World Suicide and Prevention Day. That's a whole lot of the same sounding thing, but there is so much to it. And as I mentioned, it's so difficult to talk about, but I have someone with me today who is really the foremost person that is out there in the world, not only in Michigan and Indiana, um, but also nationally and internationally talking about suicide prevention with so much, not just uh, statistics and figures, but with really incredible knowledge, accumulated uh, knowledge that she's gotten over the years 
and plus her own story, which uh, goes to help so many people in this area and hopefully prevent, even if it's just one person. So, Leslie Wyrick, I want to thank you so much. You've been on the program before. I'm grateful that you are back again. And this this month and this week kicks off such an important time. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Laura, for having me back. And it's very, very timely that I would be here at the start of World Suicide Prevention Awareness Week, which is September 4th through the 10th, which culminates in the day that we lost our son to suicide six years ago in 2016. So that is the the most difficult part of this story is that these are actual people we're talking about. And in your case, specifically, your beautiful son, Austin, it was uh, in 2016. Um, If you could just give our audience who has not heard your story a little bit of the background on that so that you can then take them into where you are today with Leslie's Hope, with sources of strength, with with the loss program, all sorts of things that only really you know exactly what's going on and you can help us. Okay. Well, thanks, Laura. I'll give you a little bit of a backstory on my son. I say, you know, by the world standards, my son would be considered an overachiever. He graduated the top of his class above a perfect 4.0, received $26,000 in renewable academic scholarships, scholar athlete. There was an award he wanted. You know, he had every accolade. And I don't say that to boast about my son more when I share that with audiences. I tell them that's because that is the face of suicide. Suicide does not look like what we think it looks like. It, it, we have to get over thinking this just happens in other people's families because that's what I thought until my doorbell rang at 2.30 in the morning. So it's very, very important that we open up this conversation about mental health. And I'm really happy to say that over the past two and a half years with COVID, we've made great strides in funding mental health in our community here locally. And also I speak throughout the nation to raise awareness on the fact that we cannot start early enough uncovering and peeling back the layers to talk to young people about mental health, everyone at any age. What was it about your personal story that prompted you to then venture out into this work? Was it, was it a concern? Was it an, an actual decision that you made or is it, you just sort of got swept up in the momentum of wanting to figure it out and then help others from going through the same thing? What was it? Great question. And I'll say yes and both. Um, You know, so our story took a very rare and unique twist. Our son actually attended one of the last three remaining all-male colleges in the United States. Wabash College is west of Indianapolis. Um, And so on the two-year anniversary, our son, by sheer coincidence, died by suicide on World Suicide Prevention Awareness Day. So that in and of itself made it very rare. But what made it even more rare and why we gained national attention as a human interest sports story, Laura, is that my son played football there. And on the two-year anniversary of Austin's death, on World Suicide Prevention Awareness Day in 2018, a beautiful young man by the name of Evan Hansen out of Carmel, Indiana, the co-captain of Austin's team, also died by suicide. So both young men taking their lives on the same day, World Suicide Prevention Awareness Day, two years apart, we were interviewed by the Indianapolis Star in the middle of the week, the article hit, and by the weekend, we had made national news as a human interest sports story. And at that point, I started getting contacted from organizations, nonprofits, and so on. I did my first keynote talk in January of 2019 for the largest nonprofit in our state here in Indiana. That evening, I took the stage for 24 minutes 
we broke a five-year fundraising record and we were able to raise $249,000 that night to put licensed clinical therapists in 25 schools. So I knew our story had power and I knew that we needed to be using it and sharing it over and over to if we could save one family from going through what our family has. Have you, after everything that you have uh, learned over the last six years since uh, um, your son's death, is there uh, any one thing that you know that you could, that could have changed the situation had you known it then? Or is it is it just too difficult to know what he was actually going through at the moment that he that he did it? Well, and when I share that, so that's a question I get frequently, Laura. When I share our story, I tell everybody about the last day of Austin's life. And the last day of Austin's life, he FaceTimed me for 45 minutes. He was on top of the world. We talked about his classes, everything that was going on. He actually called his dad at 6 p.m. He lifted weights at 4 o'clock that afternoon. He went out for burgers with his friends at 7.30 that evening. And approximately four hours later, he took his life. Suicide is different for everybody. And when I look back at my son, could I say, could we have done something? You know, every parent, I think, who loses a child to suicide can beat themselves up with the woulda, coulda, shouldas. And I think any if we could do anything differently in our son's life, he masked his depression so much in perfectionism. And that's a real important topic for me right now. I work with an organization and Austin's actually on their campaign called The Hidden Opponent. And it's about young college athletes dying by suicide. We lost three female athletes in the month of April. We are losing college athletes right and left because their identity is wrapped up in their sport. Like it was my son was football. So his freshman year of college He had three back-to-back-to-back injuries. Now, none of them might seem very serious, but the final one took him by ambulance off the field, and he was out of the game for the rest of the season. That took a downward spiral on his mental health. He tried to get back in the game his sophomore year, and he never could. So we have to really teach our kids to answer your question, Laura. Getting mental health resources to our kids at a really young age which is why I'm doing what I'm doing in the schools right now, because we really believe we have to teach resiliency from a very young age because Austin, everything had to line up perfectly. And when things weren't perfect, he could not handle that. He could not handle relationships that weren't perfect. If sports did not go the way that he wanted it to. So building up that resiliency and teaching young people at a very early age, how to turn to things in their life that, that build resiliency rather than turning to mat, what we call maladaptive coping skills, which are things like vaping, cutting, self-harm, suicide, things like that, alcohol abuse, drug abuse. So to answer your question, had we known the struggle that our son was having early in life with what we said, a low cycling depression, which he masked in perfectionism, we would have had him in therapy much sooner. We had him in therapy this summer that he passed away in September. But we had him in therapy all summer over this relationship with this young woman he was in and with. And uh, but it should have been earlier and it, it should have been continuous. We should have. So every college campus needs to have more mental health counselors on campus and more programs. Absolutely. And um, what about the, the lower level of schools in terms of like uh high schools and junior high schools and even elementary schools, same? Absolutely. Absolutely, Laura. Absolutely. I have partnered with the Community Mental Health Center where I live. I I actually work with them to secure funding, private funding, for a program called Sources of Strength. Now, Sources of Strength is an evidence-based suicide prevention program that rarely mentions the word suicide. 
Because what we say is we like to move upstream. We like to get these kids way before they're ready to jump off the bridge. And we want to teach them that they have things already in their lives that they can turn to. And we, we teach them through eight protective factors on a wheel. And those eight protective factors are things that show up in their lives. Maybe some of them have three or four, maybe five or six. But what we know is we call those protective factors, Laura, because you'll always hear people talking about risk factors. We can talk about risk factors all day long and our suicide rates still keep going up. So we want to turn that around and we want to talk about protective factors, things like family support, things like positive friends, things like mentors, faith and spirituality, healthy activities, generosity, mental health, physical health, things like that. So when we teach these kids what that looks like in their lives and how to turn to that, that one, I'll just pull one thing out, for example, on that wheel. Mentorship is so important. We do not have enough mentors in our country right now. If you put a mentor in a young person's life, let's say at about age 12, 13, 14, middle school range, which is they're so vulnerable at that age. If you put a mentor in their life, Laura, and that mentor continues through middle school into high school, they are 80% less likely to develop a drug or alcohol problem. 80% less likely. So what does that mean to suicide? Over 50% of suicides involve drugs and alcohol. So can you see how just that one factor protects a kid and keeps them safe? So we really teach this program. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a peer-led program. The kids run it. We give them a budget to push out positive messaging campaigns. We have implemented it now in our county in six schools. Happy to say I'm going to implement it in three middle schools in the county where I live, where there was just a, um, a suicide earlier this spring that had gone viral from the, the circumstances of a young girl who was 12 years old. So we're very um, just excited to take that into her school and the other middle schools in that area. So, yeah, and, and in the elementary school, it's taught a little differently, but it's really getting them to name their emotions and understand really how to co-regulate themselves when they're angry, when they're anxious, when they're sad. So you can't start teaching that. And we call that social emotional learning. So important to regulate that with kids so they can learn, you know, and so that they can have a healthy um, uh, uh, teen years, healthy early adult years and move into college and be able to adapt and be able to focus on and realize that life's going to be rough. There's going to be things thrown at you. But you do not have to end your life over a breakup with a boyfriend or girlfriend. You do not have to end your life over a fight with your parents. That If you build that resiliency in, they understand they can hold on and get through those things. And I have practical tools, too, that I teach in those schools. I think so much of the wisdom that used to be passed down in families, and I'm not saying every family, but in a lot of it, um, without the middleman, which I'm going to call electronics and social media and things like that now for the generations that didn't have that um, they were probably forced a little bit more to connect with human beings in real time face to face and um, how much of a factor would you say that electronics and social media play into the rising numbers of suicide is it more than I'm thinking or less well, you know, we'll never be able to truly get really good statistics on suicide. And the reason being, Laura, is that um, the coroner can only name a death four ways, accident, homicide, suicide, or um, undisclosed. Um, and so, so many of those accidents and undisclosed we know are truly suicides. 
So when you talk about social media and you throw it in, and you throw it in there, does it play a factor? Yes, absolutely. Pay, it plays a huge factor. And I'm a big advocate of safe tech, what I call safe tech for kids. We can't remove technology. Technology has a lot of great things to it. You know, kids can learn from it. You can raise awareness. You can raise money. But what we have to do is teach them how to use it at a young age. So I have a good friend. His name is Nate Randall. He's the CEO of a company called Gab Wireless. It's out of Utah. And he he says this. He says, you don't send a four or five-year-old to take a swimming class and throw him in the deep end of the pool. But yeah, we'll give an eight or nine-year-old access to a smartphone, a cell phone, and we'll send them off to camp for a week. And while they're at camp, you know, they're homesick, they're scrolling at night, they're in their cabin, they're looking up all kinds of sites, predators are getting to them. This young kid comes home from camp and parents are like, how was camp? They're agitated, they're irritated. So it really impacts that young brain. And, you know, we can get into neuroplasticity and young brain, but that's another show. But but so social media plays a huge impact and we have got to be smarter with technology and when we give it to our kids and how we give it to our kids, we're giving it to them way too early. And so I love these gab phones because they look just like a smartphone, but they have no access to internet on them. You, they have GPS locators. You can text, you can call and they have phones and they have, um, and they have uh, watches and it is a great thing. And parents know where their kids are after school, they're safe but they don't have all the junk from the internet on there that can get to these kids too early in life. So crucial. Absolutely crucial. I've actually seen a lot of babies, you know, uh, with, with cell phones in their hands and iPads. And I, I totally get it. I was a single mom. I know what the temptation was totally to, you know, get, get some relief from having to be on 24 seven with a little, but um, again, I love the sources of strength conversation you were telling us about how instead of just saying what not to do, it gives you things to do. And so having a mentor was one of them. You said positive friends was another. And I love mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. fact that you're having the courage of saying positive friends. People are just so eager to think that that's Pollyanna or something, but it's not. It's so incredibly important. And when you hear things like that as a young person from a parent, a teacher, uh, you know, somebody at church, uh, it, those things tend to stay with you, stay with people. I remember my mother as a very young child saying to me, don't gossip. It's not, it's a terrible, you know, you don't want people to talk about you. Don't talk about them. It was a simple thing, but it was wisdom. It was truth. And she got me early enough so that it's one of those things that uh, to this day, I I mind it, you know, because it's important. So these young people, are needing more of these positive reinforcements. Is there anything else in sources of strength that you'd like to encourage people where they can find it? Because they don't have to wait for the program to come to their school, right? They can maybe adopt this into their own families. Well, the program itself is based out of Colorado, Laura. It's been around for about 25 years. So it's not a new concept. The gentleman, Mark Lomery, that started this program was a police chief up in South Dakota. And he was attending way too many funerals of teenagers. And so he knew we had to do something. So he developed this program and it's used in all all across the nation now. It's about 40,000 schools. So we brought it to our area um, since Austin's death. And I partnered with the Community Mental Health Center. That was part of what we did. We chose to bring this program. We had looked at other. There's a lot of good programs out there. This is the one that we like. This is the one that we're using. So one of the things that I love about Sources of Strength is um, a data, a real important data point there is 
Once again, I mentioned this is a peer-run program. We're not going in there to fix these kids, but we're going in there to teach them some new messaging. And so we select peer leaders. And what we say is we select a diverse group from the student population, 10% of the student population. And I tell these teachers, I'm like, I don't want your entire football team to be my peer leaders. I want one football player. I don't want your entire marching band. I want one. And I will have teachers push back and say, you know, I'm not going to nominate him because he's a behavioral problem in my classroom. I don't want him to be a peer leader. And I say, let's wait a minute. He's an influencer. Kids are listening to him. We need to switch his script around. So I'm, I'm real excited. This past Tuesday, I was with seven high schools, 500 students at an all day retreat called a day of strength. And it was all about teaching them. They got to go through all these positive messaging campaigns, you know, out in nature. It was a really cool day. And they get to take them back to their schools and run their campaigns. But a real important thing that most kids will tell you, whether it's a college campus, a high school, middle school, is they don't have a trusted adult in their life. They don't have somebody that they can go to when they get in trouble. And so it's extremely important. So after we identify the 10% of the population that are peer leaders, for every um, seven to 10 peer leaders, we want one adult advisor. And that adult advisor can be a coach, a youth pastor, somebody in the community that just cares about kids, a teacher. And they meet, we do a six-hour all-day training. After that, they meet twice a month, two hours a month to work on these campaigns. But what we know is it's not about the wheel. The wheel is super important, but it's about relationships. Because when these kids have a trusted adult in the building with them, that they know they can go to when they get in trouble or their friend gets in trouble, the data point is they are four times more likely to take a friend who's in trouble to a trusted adult in the building if they have that relationship built. So we want that. We want to break the silence. We cannot we cannot keep this code of silence with these kids telling each other they're going to take their lives and don't tell anybody. So when you build those trusted relationships with those adults, that's when you drive those suicide rates down. Absolutely. My guest is Leslie Wyrick. She is a suicide prevention and awareness trainer and public speaker. And uh, it's here locally in the Michiana area and in Indiana and Michigan. But uh, now she is uh, really lending all of her beautiful gifts and uh, knowledge to everywhere in the country. So she is easy to find. Leslie'sHope.org is her website. Leslie'sHope.org. And Leslie, um, when, so let's say that a, a parent is just concerned. Um, they feel like their child is depressed or they've been noticing that some behavior that's self-destructive or something. What is the first thing a parent should think about doing the very first thing that you would recommend? Well, depending on whether the parent has resources and what type, you know, everything, we don't have enough therapists right now in our country. We need more therapists, but, but one of the things I will tell everybody, and this is a fallacy. If I only can say one thing on this show, Laura is you absolutely cannot give your child the idea of taking their life by asking them about it. It's a hundred percent false. In fact, just the opposite. So if you're worried about your child, you're going to have to pull back your own emotions. You know, you cannot have this shocked look on your face, but you're, and it's hard. I know this is easier said than done. It's a difficult conversation. I would highly recommend every parent get online and take a one hour for $29 and 95 cents, a one hour QPR gatekeeper training class. And QPR stands for question, persuade, and refer. Think of it as a CPR for mental health. We shall take it. We have a young person in our life, anybody in our life, we should all take it. 
Once you take that QPR class, you're going to know how to talk to your kid. You're going to know what to say and what not to say. Okay. And what you want to do is you want to ask open-ended questions, Laura. You want to say, you know, if they say, and but you have to ask them, have you thought about killing yourself? You have to ask that question. You can't dance around it. Have you thought about, and I don't really like this term, but committing suicide? Have you thought about dying by suicide? Have you thought about killing yourself? Then you be quiet and you let them talk. And depending on what comes out of that talk, the next question needs to be, do you have a way or have you thought of a plan? Do you know how you would do it? And, you know, this is a hard conversation to have for parents. And I know it is. And that's why I highly recommend that QPR class. Take it. It's going to help you have this conversation. So then at that point, you're going to assess, does your child need immediate immediate medical attention? Do they need to be taken to an emergency room? Do they need to be taken? In our area, we're very fortunate. Our community mental health center has open access. Same day, you can go without an appointment and be seen by a therapist immediately at our community mental health center. But but not every area of the country has that, unfortunately. But so you're going to have to assess their level of risk. And from there, depending on what their level of risk is, Laura, then you determine what your next step would be. But absolutely have that difficult conversation with them. And if you think you can't have it, pull in another family member to have it with them. And once again, ask open-ended questions. When they say they have been thinking about killing themselves, say, wow, you must be in a lot of pain. Tell me more. Tell me how you feel that way. Can I, I want to know. Help me understand. So ask those open, you, what you want to do is draw them out, get them talking, because the more they talk, the more protective that is, okay? And so, um, so that's really important. It's really important to gauge that conversation on, on what their risk level is, and then when you determine what their risk level is, you know what to do next. You're either going to have to go to an emergency room or a community mental health center. And um, But then the very next thing I would do is be seeking a licensed clinical therapist. And then they can determine, sometimes your child may have a chemical imbalance. They may, they may need some, uh, uh, you know, something, something, an antidepressant or something. And it doesn't mean, I know a lot of people are anti-medication. Kids go through a lot of hormonal fluctuations as they're growing. Their brain is going through all kinds of things. So sometimes it's a little leveling out. They may need to talk to a therapist for a few months, maybe a year. My daughter has been in therapy you know, for several years since our son died, and she probably will remain in therapy the rest of her life. We're very fortunate. We have good health insurance that covers mental health. But so um, seek out those resources. NAMI is wonderful. That's the National Association for Mental Illness. They have family support groups. You can join a NAMI support group, AFSP, American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. They have parent support groups, and they're going to teach you, like-minded parents, how to talk the talk with your kids. I think that's absolutely wonderful. And that's why I thought it was so important to have you on, Leslie Wyrick, because you offer what you hope are solutions and pathways. To, and, and, and there's a lot of them. It's not just one cookie cutter recipe. You do this recipe and it's all going to be fixed. You have so many different areas because, as you said, it comes from so many different reasons and so many things uh, that are going on with the child. It could be chemical in, in, in the brain. It could be the fact that they're under 27 years of age and their frontal cortex isn't developed. It could be now uh, an adult who is having this ideation and going through tough times. And, and now it just feels too difficult to take it to anyone because they're so used to trying to handle everything on their own. 
So we have two minutes left. How would you like to, uh, what would you like to offer us before we, we close? And, and then, of course, we're going to let people know how to get in touch with you. Sure. Thank you, Laura. Well, I would be remiss not to ma- mention that we have a brand new national lifeline in our country, 988. So one thing I have always given out are text crisis hotline wristbands because young people text, they do not dial phone numbers. Now we have a three-digit number, which is wonderful. So when you are at a moment of despair, you can dial those three digits. There are licensed, trained counselors at the end of that line, okay, in every state. If it doesn't answer in under a certain few minutes, it will roll to the next one. But one thing that's very important, you do not need to be suicidal to dial 988. If you're in a mental health crisis, if you are struggling, if you just have cannot get through another day without somebody to talk to, dial 988. There also is a text and a chat option. But we are very happy to say, you know, and, and we're working out some glitches in it nationwide, you know, but if anyone wants to get trained on that, the assist training, which is applied skills in suicide training, is a two-day training course you can take to to be able to be a trained counselor for the suicide lifelines. Absolutely incredible to know. 988 is the new three-digit number to call, text, and chat with. Leslie Weirich, thank you so much. I want to remind everyone that they can find Leslie on uh, social media, on LinkedIn, at Leslie Weirich or Leslie's Hope. And that's her website, Leslie's Hope. That's with an S on it, leslieshope.org is a wonderful resource as well. And I just thank you so much and for just all you have done for our community, for the nation, and uh, soon to be the world on on this topic that we really all are part of as a family. We need to get as much uh, help into the world as we can. So thank you, Leslie. God bless you for all the work that you do in the world. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. World Suicide Prevention Day is on September 10th, and you can join a 5K walk that Leslie Wyrick is running in Goshen, Indiana. For more information on that, go to leslieshope.org. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, if you're like some members of my family or maybe you yourself, a big change in the marketplace um, related to hearing health and access to hearing aids has come about just announced in August. And when I say my family, I my mother has... It, the long journey of getting the right hearing aids and everything. It's, it's, and when I say journey, I'm saying it hasn't always been an easy one trying to figure this whole thing out. But with this new FDA ruling, uh, that you can get hearing aids over the counter, it's going to be a game changer in some ways. We're not sure for good, for bad. We're going to find it all out right now. Kate Carr is here. She's the president of Hearing Industries Association. And Dr. Thomas Powers, an audiologist and industry consultant. Thank you both for being here on this really important topic. Thanks for having us, Laura. Thank you. Yes. So um, now the FDA ruling that you can get hearing aids over the counter, I was kind of thinking that's what some of the things you see advertised on TV, the the miracle ear and things like that, that you can just kind of buy online or, or, you know, over the phone. I kind of assumed that what that's what that was. Um, but what does it, when you say over the counter, are you meaning that people can pick up uh, hearing aids or hearing devices 
uh, just about anywhere? Such a great question, Laura. And I, I also um, appreciate the in the introduction, you referencing how confusing it was for your mother to purchase hearing aids. Currently, hearing aids um, that are regulated by the FDA, they're medical devices, um, but the licensing and the um, terms of selling them is done at the state level. In creating this new rule uh, for an over-the-counter product, um, and that term does include, you can buy it at a local store, you can buy it online, um, without the requirement of a hearing professional. So state laws requiring a hearing professional for adults who are 18 and older who have perceived mild to moderate hearing loss, the federal rule negates the state laws. So consumers have access um, on their own to a, what will be a variety of products come October 17th and beyond. The rule um, takes 60 days to take effect. So it's not until mid-October. I see. And now, so are you thinking and would, I, I'm trying to see from the angle here, like if I'm a, just a regular, a young person hearing this and thinking, well, but I just, you know, my I, I've been to a lot of concerts and my hearing isn't as great as it used to. And if I can get something, grab it at the local CVS or Walgreens or something, you know, why not do that? I'm I'm kind of hearing in your voice that that's that's not the whole story, and we need to um, take some things into precaution for that. So, uh, Doctor Powers, as an audiologist, um, are you recommending that people just on their own, um, either by TV or going into a store, just pick up their own hearing devices um, without the help of a professional? I, I wouldn't uh, recommend they, they do that until uh, they have a, a hearing test or an evaluation. You know, the, the rule specifies that these devices are for people over 18, as Kate mentioned, but also for mild to moderate hearing loss. And, and we know from research that people tend to underestimate uh, the degree of their hearing loss. So we wouldn't want someone to just pick up a device that's inappropriate or or could be too much amplification for them or too loud. So getting a hearing test from a hearing professional allows you to know what your hearing loss is. Uh, If you need some other kind of medical intervention, uh, for example, maybe your ears are are clogged with earwax and that might be a simple procedure to get that uh, cleaned out. But once you know your hearing results, then you can take some time to discuss what your options are, whether over-the-counter is the appropriate way or Maybe your hearing loss is somewhat unique or over that mild to moderate level, and you should think about uh, talking to someone about a prescriptive device. Yeah, I'm really, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that this is happening because ex- exactly as you said, um, people may not know, A, what's causing their hearing loss. It might be something that's fixable without a device. And then the, the other side of it is, Getting it just right because everybody's hearing is different and in so, some people each, each ear is different. So, um, I really can't imagine anyone. I've seen what my mother's gone through to get even the right ones, the right hearing aids and the, the many tests that she had to take and so forth. And then also in, uh, recommending different types and different grades of hearing aids. That's been a whole journey also in itself. And so I can't imagine somebody, a layperson, um, I understand they're wanting to just be like, oh, I just wish I could hear better and getting it. But actually 
going that route of not knowing exactly what they're doing, because if I, I would imagine if if you do, it could exacerbate the problem um, and in other situations um, not help at all. So I, I really am interested that this is happening, but it is. And by October 17th, we're going to see people having availability of getting hearing aids. Now, does this also mean that there are much cheaper ways of getting it? And why would anybody not want to go through an audiologist? I can't imagine why somebody wouldn't want to go through a professional. Let me answer the question about cost, because I think there are a lot of misperceptions right now about the cost of hearing aids. Um, Hearing aids come in a variety of different technology levels, from basic to premium, much like a car. You can buy a basic car. You could buy a luxury car. So the technology that's associated with those different levels and the features that are incorporated into the different levels drive the price as well as the services of a hearing care professional. If you're in New York, you're in New York City, it's more costly to have an office and staff it and rent the space and do everything than if you're in a very rural area where costs of doing business are lower. So cost does come into it. But a hearing aid can cost a little over $1,000 for devices that are sold currently with the services of a hearing care professional to several thousand dollars, depending upon what's going to suit your hearing loss, your unique hearing loss, and your needs. Do you need them just a little bit or do you need them a whole lot? And at what amplification levels? And that's where, as you've pointed out in the story about your mother, um, Some people are going to require more help. And the first step of of getting some help, we believe, is to have a formal hearing evaluation to understand the degree of your hearing loss. Maybe you don't even have it in a earwax. Take that step first. And a hearing care professional, whether it's an audiologist or a hearing dispenser or an ENT, We'll explain to you what your options are, and you can get some information about price points as well. Absolutely. And I know that my cousin, she drives a school bus for a living, and she actually has to have a hearing test in order to be able to to drive a school bus and then, you know, had to go through getting um, hearing aids as well. I can't imagine somebody after taking a hearing test then going out and just buying their own, especially when it relates to needing this for your professional, for your job, and something that can affect your your professional life as well. So it seems even doubly important that people consult with with an audiologist such as Dr. Powers and, you know, somebody who truly understands the mechanics of, of hearing, hearing loss and how to adjust the, the hearing aids to the person's specific needs. It makes, for me, all the sense in the world, although some people may be applauding the fact that they can just, like I said, go and order one online at Amazon or, or hearing aids online. Um, I just still think there are some things better left to the professionals. I um, thank you for sharing. Is there anything else you would like to share with my audience uh, before we close? We have lots of information at hearing.org. We have information about hearing health. We have information about hearing aids and devices that are available. And, of course, um, there are links that can take you to a professional in your area. Again, that's hearing.org. 
That's about as easy as it gets. I hear you loud and clear. Hearing.org. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Kate Carr, president of Hearing Industries Association, and Dr. Thomas Powers, audiologist and industry consultant. Thank you for all you do for everyone. Thanks for having us. And thanks for listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Hi, here's a minute of purpose, improving your life 60 seconds at a time. There's a saying that goes, you can't pour from an empty cup. That's why self-care is more important than ever before. Don't say you're too busy. A little time out will make you healthier and more productive. Here are some fun ways to do a self-care day. Start by getting out of your quarantine outfit and revisiting clothes that make you feel good. If you like to read, pick up a favorite book or magazine. Just avoid anything that feels work-related. Throw a dance party in your living room, revisiting your favorite songs, or create a movie marathon with titles that make you smile. Nature is always a good remedy for what ails you, so take a walk. On that note, disconnect from the screens and just take in what's going on around you. The point of taking time for yourself is to bring you back to your world, refreshed and ready. So plan your next self-care day and refill your cup. This has been your Minute of Purpose. Find more now at nowwithpurpose.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I don't know about you, but the end of the summer always marks for me time to get away. This year, I chose to do a very long road trip across the country. I drove to New York from the Midwest, and I am starting to really get the hang of it now. But I'll tell you what, we need some good tips for saving money and keeping your sanity while on your last road trips of the year. My guest is Brian Ferguson. He serves pilot company as the chief merchant, and he's responsible for overseeing all sorts of things within the company. But he has some really wonderful as I said, money-saving tips and tips for the journey itself. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Laura, it's great to meet you. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, so tell us, what is the what is the greatest way right now? Obviously, gas prices are way up. Pilot Flying J is, you know, you can get gas there, and I know you have rewards cards and things like that. I think that's something great to opt into. I wish I had thought of that before I left on mine. Is that a good tip for people to do? It's it's a great tip. You know, this Labor Day weekend, there's going to be over 90 million people traveling, you know, to the to the beach, to the mountains, to the lake. Uh, so planning ahead, leaving early, getting your trip mapped out, really critical where you're going to stop, where you're going to go to the bathroom, where you're going to rest and recharge. You can do all that with Pilot Flying J. Just download the My Rewards Plus app. Really easy. Takes you like five seconds in the app store. And when you download the app, all sorts of great things um, are are at your fingertips. So first and foremost, a 10 cent gas discount, unlimited gallons. Just download the app, 10 cents right away. Every time you fill now through the end of October, that could be a hundred gallons, a thousand gallons. It depends on how much you travel. Uh, And then within the app, again, after you save money at the pump, You know, we've got great deals on food, beverages, snacks, pizza, wings, the best on the interstate coffee, cell phone accessories, clothing, you name it. Stop at one of our locations. But, yeah, that's my advice. Plan ahead. Download the app. Get get yourself ready to go. And that way you'll have a safe, quick trip and then you'll have a great return trip home. 
Absolutely. I, I once again wish I had had it. So tell us the app and how to get it um, so that everyone who is traveling this weekend can can be more prepared, can be uh, much more organized about where they're going to stop, what they're going to eat and saving money on gas. What is it again? It's super easy. And again, it's for everyone. So you can get our My Rewards Plus app in the App Store, anywhere you download your apps. It takes about five or 10 seconds to download it and sign up. Once you have that app, you get the 10 cent fuel discount for every gallon of gas that you put into your car or your vehicle. And then you'll get great deals uh, within the app on all sorts of stuff, whether you're hungry, whether you need something to wear, or whether you need a present for one of, one of your kids. Perfect. That's pl- pilotflyingj.com slash rewards, correct? Yes, ma'am. That's right on. You hit it. pilotflyingj.com slash rewards. Brian, thank you so much and bon voyage. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us on the way home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. It's that great time in the show where we get to focus on just the wonderful and good in the world, the good that exists that sometimes we have to dig a little bit and find the stories, but it's well worth it. And um, I don't know about you, but it always makes me feel so much better. The guy who does all the digging for the good news, his name is Jim Cleefield. I call him Jimmy Dean, and he is here with some refreshing, uplifting, and beautiful stories. Hi, Jim. You come to the right place, LJ, that's for sure. I want to start you off in L.A. with a wonderful story. It is back-to-school time, don't you know? But I want to tell you the story about a teacher in the Los Angeles area who is just so beloved. But here's the backstory of the whole thing. He just works so very hard. He teaches at Eula Boys High School. Her name, his name is... 31-year-old Julio Castro, and he has a very long commute every day. Gets up at 4.30 in the morning, has to take a scooter and a bus to get to the school, and sometimes comes home late at 9.30 at night. It is a long commute. Well, here's the thing. He did not have a car until now. You know why? Because Castro went to an event at the school. He thought it was a faculty appreciation event. Yeah, appreciation right. It was all about him. Because his students put together and raised money to get him a Mazda CX-3, to help him shorten his commute. I mean, he just is so dedicated at his job. In fact, one of his fellow co-workers said he noticed that he was looking at cars online at the time when this happened, I guess after you know, they, they raised this money. total of $30,000 they put together, not only to get him this car, but get this, a year's worth of gasoline, and you know how expensive gas is these days, and insurance, no less. Well, you can imagine just how wonderful he is, because not only does he take all this time to get to work the way he has, I mean, he stays late, he helps these students with whatever they need. I mean, it doesn't matter to him, but it's just the fact that they, they are pulling together to show their appreciation for this guy, for everything he did. And uh, one of the fellow uh, officials said, I think it's a way, you know, that his students will see that he'll be paying it forward in some way. He already is, because he's, he's always there for those students. And the fact that he, you know, has been going with this long commute. Now he doesn't have to worry about that. So it's just so great what they did for him to get him that car. Just really wonderful and appreciative of what they did for him. I love it. I love it. And I see Bob here uh, shaking his head. He loves stories like this. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What, getting the ability to, to drive yourself and uh, all that time that gets freed up, uh, that's going to be fantastic. I can relate to long commutes, but I mean, at least you know, I have the yeah. means to get there. This guy did not have a car. And, and now he's got one, so he's got to be very happy. So he is a lot less shorter time, and I'm sure he's sleeping much better at night. Oh, great story. What else do you have for us? Well, I'm, I'm greedy. Yes. 
Oh, be greedy. Be greedy all you want. Remember we had a, a guest not that long ago? We did a show. It was about callings, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I want to tell you about a story about a woman who had a calling, and she loves cats, just like you do. I mean, we all love furries. And uh, anyway, she... Uh, wanted to uh, open a cat cafe. We talked about this in another story where there was a cat cafe that was going to open in Hawaii at some point down the road. Well, the Charlotte, North Carolina cafe that she opened called Mac Tabby Cat Cafe just celebrated their thousandth cat adoption. One thousand in total. And the owner is Lori uh, Konowalik. And she wanted to do something. She wanted to work with cats, I guess. She had this calling and her husband had talked to her and said, now just take the logistics out of there. What exactly do you want to do? I want to open Charlotte's first cat cafe. That's exactly what she did about five years ago this December. Well, here's how it works for customers. For $12, you can reserve a 90-minute spot to have some time with the felines and then you can order you know, some uh, adoptive uh, felines. You could also uh, get some goodies, some artwork, all kinds of things. And this has been open now for five years. And she said it is just the love of her life because take it from me working with furries i mean it is a labor of love but she wanted to do something really unique this cat cafe in charlotte the queen city and uh, it's been very very popular and uh, she just really appreciates all the love and kindness that has shown to people that have come to help support her and that's what she wanted to do and as i said this was her calling so wait a second so she has a cafe mm-hmm. and she has a bunch of adoptable cats adoptable within cats. The, in the cafe and then people adopt them from there. That's right. And they've had a thousand. So, I mean, the person that had it, I mean, just uh, it was an amazing night. I heard what happened with that gentleman when he, he got that thousand the cats. So it's working beautifully for her. And, and she's and happy about it. it's been open already five years. That, yeah, five years. Just, she started in 2017, idea. December yeah. 2017. And so it'll be five years this December. So, I mean, it's it's going really well. Hmm. I think this might be my calling, too. I think I want to open a cat cafe. There you go. I am so serious. Why not? I want to open a cat cafe. And, um, I mean, every town needs one. Sure. Right? Sure. Well, there's one thing that came out of the pandemic. I mean, we saw an explosion in adoptions of dogs and cats. I mean, my own family went through that ourselves. So, yes, I, I would agree. Yes. I did one after COVID with my little do doe puppy. But, um no matter when you adopt a pet, it is always a beautiful asset to your life. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you for ending us on a feline note. I <laughs> will always be happy about that. And I so appreciate it. And thank you to Leslie Wyrick. And please check out leslieshope.org for more information on Suicide Awareness Month. And have yourselves a very safe and wonderful uh, weekend. And lots of love. Take good care. We'll see you next time on The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith.